talking about Elisha. And so if you're like, Joe, we just talked about him last week. No, that was Elijah. And now we're talking about his successor, Elisha. And so if you want to go ahead and get ready by turning your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. And then we're also going to be in 2 Kings uh, all the way from the 2nd chapter to the 13th chapter. Uh, but remember, if you remember earlier in this series, I shared that in the Old Testament, and all these characters that we're talking about in the Unshakable series are Old Testament characters, but in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon certain people at certain times for certain purposes, right? If you remember that, and, and so we're, we're hearing all these amazing stories about how God would use a certain person to do something amazing. We talked about David, and maybe you've heard this story of David and Goliath. We talked about Deborah. Um, just awesome stories. And if you missed any of these installments, you can go online and, and catch up in the series on our website. But now, like we're a New Testament church, right? We're not in Old Testament times anymore. Jesus came, he died on the cross, he rose again. The church was born. And now because of what Jesus did on the cross, every single one of us, yes, you included, have a calling. And we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to fulfill the calling that God places in our life and to live lives that please God. That is powerful. And man, we're going to camp out here a while because so much of the time we as church goers and as church people don't get this. And if you're new this morning, if you're like new to this whole church thing and you're kind of like, what in the world is going on here? We are here because Jesus died on the cross for us. He rose again, and we have a real living relationship with Jesus. And it's not just that he saved us so we could get out of hell, like that get out of hell free card. No, that's not the only reason that he died for us. He also died to give us life and life to the full, to have life abundantly, the Bible says. And so you and I, we don't just live, we don't just go to work and get up and go to bed and just the mundane. No, we have a calling, we have a reason to be, we have purpose. In Acts 2, 17 through 18, it says, in the last days, and that's where we're at, we're in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Everybody say all. All, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I know there's, there's some churchy words in there that maybe it's like, what is that? Basically, the same Holy Spirit that worked through these Old Testament characters and the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the Bible says now dwells in you and me. And because of that, we have so much purpose. We have a calling in life. And this is why, this is the reason why we can take the principles that we learn from the life of Elisha and Elijah and David and all these great Old Testament characters and we can apply them to our lives today. You see, stories like these can't just be neat and tidy little stories from long ago. It's like, you know, you, you, you tell your kids about Jonah and the whale or Noah and the ark, but these aren't just little stories to be tucked away and remembered as little like kid stories. You see, one of the major concepts from the life of Elijah that we're going to talk about today that we can learn is about this concept of a calling. 
being called by God. Now, a lot of times when you talk about that, you're like, oh, well, is God going to call me to Africa? Because I don't want to go to Africa, right? A lot of times when people say, God called me, it's like, well, that happens for some people to go certain places at certain times to do certain things. But man, I've never felt the call of God in my life, right? But you have to understand this morning, listen to this. You have to understand your calling if you want to bring glory to God with your life. And you might say, Joe, I don't know if I have a calling. Well, hey, we're going to talk about that. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't mystify it too much. Don't make it too mystical or weird. Here's some other words that we can use for your calling, okay, that I think are kind of interchangeable. How about this? Obedience. Faithfulness. Conviction. Purpose. The God-given why that God puts in your heart. When you read his word, it's like, why am I here? What in the world am I on this planet for? It's this place that you come back to when you kind of get off the rails in life and you don't know what's going on. It's like you come back to this place where you know why you exist. It's your calling. This is the well for your passion, the well that you go to when you're like, man, I need, I need a pick-me-up. You go back to that place where you first realized why God put you here. I really believe that we all have a general and specific calling. The general calling of God is, is the calling of God to all believers, every single one of you in this room. You've been called to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength. And you've been called to what's called the Great Commission. Basically, Jesus told us as Christ followers to go and to preach the gospel to all nations, to make disciples, right? And so that's our general calling. So every single one of us, that's our job. That's what we're here to do, right? And so both are equally important. We all have a general calling. We all have specific things that God has called us to do. For instance, God's called me to be a pastor, Maybe God has called you to be a lawyer or a teacher or whatever your, your marketplace you know, business is. Whatever God has called you to do, that's fine. Maybe God has called you to just be a great church member. And all of them are equally important. There's no greater or lesser calls in the kingdom of God, right? But we look at the life of Elisha. And before Elisha, there was Elijah who had ministered for 20 years to the nation of Israel. Elijah was a stud, okay, spiritually. One of only two people in the Bible to never die. Can you, can you imagine that? He didn't die. God took him to heaven in a whirlwind. The only other person in the Bible to do this, to, to just not die, was Enoch. And the Bible says he walked so closely with God that one day God just took him. He was just gone. Isn't that so cool? And so Elijah was one of these guys. And so these were pretty big shoes to fill. In the New Testament, you know, when, when Jesus asked his disciples, you know, who do people say that I am? The disciples said, well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah. So can you imagine being one of those guys that, that later on Jesus or people would compare Jesus to? Like Elijah was big stuff. And so here comes Elisha. Filling the shoes of Elijah. Can you ever, can you imagine that? What it would be like to fill the shoes of somebody so great? Do you ever feel like that? Like, how could I fill the shoes of so-and-so? Maybe you got a promotion at your job and, and your predecessor was just incredible. And you're like, I don't know if I could do this job as well as they did, right? 
that's kind of the feeling that I can imagine Elisha would have had. And by our nature, we're so inclined to think like this, that because God used a certain person for a certain time to do a certain thing, that, man, how could he ever use me to do something like that? You know, that we, we tend to think that particular abilities and positions are reserved for certain kind of people. And so we, we usually don't think that we measure up. But listen, church, God will never call you to be someone else. He calls you and I to say yes to him. Listen, your calling is way less about something specific and way more about just saying yes to Jesus. The specific will figure itself out when you just say yes to Jesus. You see, when we receive the Spirit of God, we see ourselves as Christ sees us. And Christ sees every single one of you sitting in this room and online if you're watching today as someone that's worthy of being empowered because of the cross. You see, God's economy is set up on the premise that he redeems, restores, and repurposes lives for his kingdom work. What does that mean? You have potential. When Christ looks at you, when Jesus looks at you, regardless of what has happened in your life, you have potential. And I'm not just saying potential in your job or to make more money or to get more status. You have potential to be useful in the kingdom of God. What an amazing thought. Jesus himself said this about his disciples. And when he was talking to his disciples, he might as well have been talking to you and me today. In John 14, 12 through 14, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, I don't know about you, but it just blows my mind that Jesus told his disciples that they're going to do the same works and even greater works than he did. You might look at your life and be like, Jesus, what, what are you talking about? That's not happening in my life. And I would encourage you not to think that it has to look exactly like that. But when you say yes to Jesus, the potential for greatness is there. It's there when you say yes to Jesus. And so we see in the life of Elijah and Elisha that when Elijah was taken up to heaven, Elisha was empowered, okay? Listen, when Jesus was taken up to heaven, he empowered you and me. And so it wasn't just this one certain guy passing it on to one certain guy. When Jesus was taken up, just like Elijah was taken up, Jesus said, hey, I'm empowering you to make a difference. Not just, and so it's not just your pastor that gets empowered. It's not just your life group leader that gets empowered. It's not just your praying grandma that has never stopped praying for you. It's not just that one person that is like super spiritual, that, that, that has all the gifts or whatever that you think is, oh, they're a really good Christian because they could do X, Y, and Z. No, the Bible says that every single one of us has access to God's presence. And so what can we learn? from the life of Elisha. Number one, when we look at the life of Elisha, we see that God's call deserves priority placement in your life. God's call deserves priority placement in your life. So in the beginning of the story of Elisha, Elijah shows up at a field where Elisha is plowing, plowing the field. He's farming. 
And so in 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21, it says, So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. I don't know specifically why it says that, but basically, he's just one of the guys doing his work on the day job, right? Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen, and get this, he slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then, what, then he went with Elijah as his assistant. When I read this story, I'm just blown away. I'm like, what? Because this is, a, this is the equivalent of you and I. Let's just say God shows up in our life and says, do X, Y, and Z. And Elisha responds by taking his means of livelihood and saying goodbye. Right? It's as if he sold his tractor, right? And he said, hey, I'm completely cutting ties with my means of income, my means of livelihood, and I'm going to follow what God wants me to do. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that every single one of you today should go quit your job and just uh, become a nun or a, a priest or, or, or something like that. Just go like whatever your version of all in is. That's not what we're saying at all. We see in the New Testament that, that Paul was a tent maker. He worked. He had a job, even though he followed Christ. And so that's not the biblical model at all. But this is, this is Elisha's version of saying yes to Jesus. And the timeless principle that we, that we take out of this is, is there anything that you wouldn't give up to follow Jesus? Is there anything that would hold you back from a total and complete yes to God? Now, I just to be completely honest, throughout, throughout my life, there's been a lot of things that were holding me back from a complete yes to God. And it was a long process over my life of saying yes, little yeses over and over. A lot of heart checks, a lot of just getting real with myself and saying, hey, God, am, am I all in? Right? And even along the way, other opportunities to ask myself, man, am I really all in? for the call of God in my life. And so I love this example of Elisha. He burns the plow. He has a barbecue, right? He says yes to God. And so the question is not what is God's call in my life because you can open up the Bible and see God's call in your life. He wants you to be thankful, full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? He wants you to tell people your story about how he's changed your life. And so the question is not, what is God's call in my life? The question is, is does it have priority in my life? Right? It's not an add-on. It's not a compartment. It's just not something that fits neat and tidy in, in Sunday schedule. Like, oh, I went to church. No. It's, God, do you have total reign in my life? Man, what a question. Jesus, when he would preach, 
when he would go from town to town in the New Testament, if you look through the Gospels, you'll see that he would go and he would speak and he would leave. He would go and he would speak to the multitudes and he would leave. He would invest strategically in relationships with his disciples. You know, the Bible talks about the 12 disciples and he had an inner circle of a few guys and then and then there was a time when he sent out 72. There was another time when he sent out 120. And it's, and it's like he's working these relationships. But on a large scale, he would go and he would speak. He would plant the seed of his word in people's lives and he would leave. And when somebody came and said, I want to follow you, Jesus would say, okay, let's go. Right? Listen, Jesus is patient with you and he's patient with me. But he's not a salesman. Just like Elijah walked into Elisha's life, threw his cloak around his shoulders and walked away, right? The message was clear. And I believe that God's message to you and me is clear today. Jesus says to you and to me what he said to people when he walked this earth. He said, follow me. It's a simple question with a simple reply. Am I going to follow? Does Jesus' call in my life have priority placement. I believe that because Jesus left his throne in heaven, died in our place, he offers us grace and mercy that we don't deserve. I believe that because of that, he deserves the number one spot. He deserves the party. He deserves the barbecue. He deserves saying yes, no matter what. He deserves our willingness to burn the plow. The second thing that we see through the life of Elijah is that as you follow God's call, you will find God's power. Man, somebody say that, man, religion is just lifeless and it's just, oh, it's just a bunch of organization and it's just a bunch of uh, politics and all that kind of stuff. And, I, and in some places that might be true, but that was never what God intended. God wants to have a relationship with you that is living and breathing and full of his power. And I really believe that when our lives show an absence of God's power, it's because of a lack of relationship. When people come to me as a pastor and they say, Joe, I'm just not, I'm not experiencing, you know, God in my life. The first question I ask is, hey, how's your Bible time going? Are you, are you in the word? Are you spending time praying? Does God have priority in your life? Because that's what it all comes back to. And so if... When we follow God's call, we'll find God's power. Then it begs the question, how do I follow God's call? What does that look like? We see three things from the life of Elijah. The first thing is being faithful in prayer. In 2 Kings 2, 9, and this is right about when Elijah was about to be taken up in the whirlwind to heaven. And Elisha and Elijah are having this exchange. And before Elijah goes, Elisha makes a request of Elijah. He says, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. I love this. Because you know what this says to me? That Elisha wasn't afraid to pray a big prayer. Have you ever been afraid to ask God for something because you thought it was too big? Well, I don't know if God will show, me up, show up for me like that. I don't know if God would provide for me like that. And I'd say, why not ask? Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Now, God is not a cosmic vending machine, right? It's not like you put the prayer in and the gumball comes out. It's not like that. But Jesus is very clear. 
He wants you to ask. He wants you to ask. And when you ask things that are in line with his will, his promises to provide. And this isn't just providing for monetary things or material things. This is when he, you need peace. You need joy, right? Love that. Listen, you've got a big God, so pray big prayers, right? Don't insult a powerful God with puny prayers. Ask yourself, what's on God's heart? What does God care about? And then pray about it. Pray about that. Remember, you have not because you ask not. When we read God's word, what is it clear that he cares about? He cares about you and your family. He cares about people that are are suffering and oppressed. He cares about the orphan and the widow. He cares that his message gets to all of creation. And so when you read God's word and you see all these things that he cares about, pray about that and say, God, what would you have me do? And pray big prayers. Man, when I pray for Mosaic, I pray big things. I'm like, God, I know you can provide for our needs. Provide for our needs. We come to you humbly. God, show up in a big way. God, we have this amazing facility. God, let every seat be full. God, we have amazing people. God, lead them and empower them to use their gifts and the talents that you've put inside of them for the kingdom of God. Pray big prayers. The second thing that we see in the life of Elijah is that we need, if we're going to follow God's call, we need to be faithful in obedience. Elijah shows up at the house of a poor widow in 2 Kings chapter 4. And she barely had anything. She had one small flask of oil. And so in 2 Kings 4, 5, he told her this. He told her to gather all of the, all the containers that she could find. And so she gathered them all from her neighbors and all over the place. And, and, and so Elijah told, or, or Elisha told her to start filling them with the small flask that she had. Guess what? That small flask never ran out. In 2 Kings 4, 5, it says, So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another, and soon every container was full to the brim. Listen, when you are obedient and faithful to do what God asks you to do, his power is going to show up in your life. It may not always look the way that you want it to look, but it's going to show up. And we see this principle in the life of Elijah, and we see this principle in the New Testament, that God multiplies our efforts. One time Jesus showed up while Peter was fishing, right? And he said, Peter, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Well, Peter had been fishing all night and not caught a thing. But Peter said something so important. He said, Jesus, if you say so. What if we all lived with that kind of attitude? Jesus, if you say so. Faithful in obedience. Peter throws his nets on the other side of the boat. His net becomes full with fish and he can't even get them all in the boat. It's amazing. When you follow God's call in your life, you'll find God's power. The third thing that we see that if we're going to follow God's call, we need to be faithful in service. We need to be faithful in service. In 2 Kings uh, 6, 4, uh, 4 through 6, we see an amazing miracle happen. 
You see these other prophets that Elijah was kind of the ringleader, you know, and there were some other prophets that were serving along with him. And they said, hey, Elisha, we need a bigger, bigger place to meet because we can't all fit where we're meeting. And so we're going to go down by the river and we're going to cut some logs and build a new place to meet. And so this would be the equivalent of our church is too you know, full of people. We need a bigger place. And so we're going to build a, go build a new church building. That's basically what's happening here. And so they ask Elijah, Elisha to go with them. And so they go down to the river and they start chopping down trees, right? And so they're chopping down trees, getting the logs ready, ready to build this new place. And one of the guys, his axe head falls off of his, the handle into the, into the Jordan River. And of course it sinks. It's an axe head. And so that's where we pick up in the story here. It says, when they arrived at the Jordan, they begin cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting the tree, his axe head fell off into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. We got anybody out there that borrow tools, right? How many of you are the one that, borrow, or that, that, that lends your tools out to people? How many of you are the, like you lent a tool out, you never got it back, and so you don't, you don't lend the tools out anymore? Ted, I see that hand, right? Hey, I've borrowed your tools before. <laughs> I brought it right back. No, but you know, and so you, you know that feeling, oh my goodness, I borrowed this thing and now I've lost it or I broke it. And so this guy was dejected. Where did it fall? The man of God asked. And the man of God here is Elisha. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. What a miracle. This is one of those in God's word that might be easy to gloss over, easy to pass by. But what does this tell us? That when you're faithful in service to God, when you're faithful to show up and, and, and serve people, whether it be in your own house or at a local school or in the community, or you come here to church and you serve on a ministry team, when you're faithful to do what God has put in your hands in service to him, he's going to show up. God takes care of you when you serve him. When things get tough, I want to encourage you, don't leave your post of service. Cry out to God. I see a lot of people getting burnt out in life. A lot of our schedules are too full. We're running around like a, a chicken with our heads cut off. I felt this way this past week. Man, we're going 100 different directions. Uh, we're trying to get projects done here at church. You know, our kids, you know, Levi's playing soccer. Jason's going to cross country. It's just life is just crazy, right? And I love it. But sometimes it's like, oh, God, I'm just tired. And sometimes you just want to go in your room and shut the door and watch Netflix all day. Can I get an amen? Right? And sometimes it's like, I don't want to show up to do that, that volunteer position. I don't want to show up to do X, Y, and Z. And I just want to encourage you. When you start to burn out, don't isolate. Isolation, just being idle, it's the devil's playground. That's when God's going to get you. Man, if you think that you're too tired to serve God, if you think you're too tired to get up and pray, if you think you're too tired to read your Bible, the devil is going to make sure that you're always too tired. Always. And so if you feel burnt out, I want to encourage you, get on your knees. And just like this, this, guy cried, this, this guy in the story, he cried out to the prophet Elisha. I want to encourage you to cry out to God. Tell him how you feel. He's not going to be offended. He knows already. 
how you feel. And so tell him how you feel. Pray through it. Pray through it. What does that mean? Just keep seeking God and keep praying and keep going to God until you receive your breakthrough. Recalibrate. Reevaluate your life and your calendar and your schedule. Re-strategize. Recharge, but don't give up on your calling. Be faithful in service. The third thing that we see from the life of Elijah is that following God's call grants you a new perspective. Following God's call grants you a new perspective. <clears throat> In chapter 6 of 2 Kings, there's this amazing thing happened. You see, Elijah had been predicting every move of the Aramean arm, uh, army and telling the king of Israel, hey, this is where they're going to be, this is what they're going to do, basically thwarting all their efforts. And so Elisha was the country's like ace in the hole. He was making sure that the country never got caught off guard, that they didn't get overtaken by the enemy, right? And so what did the Aramean kings do? He's like, find out where their Elisha guy is. So they found out, and he took his armies, and they surrounded the city where Elisha was. Do you ever feel surrounded by life? Just it's coming at you, things are going on that you feel like you don't have any control over, that life is just weighing in on you. You know, it's one thing to be surrounded when you're on your own. When you don't have Jesus, when you don't have something that anchors your soul. It's another thing when you're up against trials and tough circumstances, when you're saying yes to Jesus. And so we see that because Elisha was following the call of God in his life, something miraculous happened. In 2 Kings 6, 16 through 17, it says, he told, Elisha tells somebody that's afraid because they just got surrounded by these Aramean armies. He said, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. The angel armies of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And so listen, because Elisha was faithful to God's call in his life, he had a different perspective. And he prayed that this servant that was with him could see the same thing that he saw. That yes, they might be surrounded by worldly circumstances, these worldly armies. And just like in your life, man, you feel like life is just coming at you. And things are happening all the time that you can't control. And you, you feel like you don't have a chance in the world. Maybe, maybe you're a single mom. Maybe your family just experienced loss. Maybe you just lost your job. Maybe this last year just completely wrecked your finances or, or, or your life. And you just feel surrounded. Well, God says, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. Listen, this should be a daily prayer, especially when we're going through tough times. Jesus, open my eyes to see what you see. Open my eyes to see through your lens, to see my circumstances the way that you see them. Right? And when you see as God sees, then you can do as God says. Man, if you don't gain a godly perspective on your life, it's going to be really hard to follow Jesus. If you only see things through the lens of the world and the, the lens of, of what, what people tell you, 
man, it's going to be really hard to say yes to Jesus. But when you say, God, open my eyes. I want to see things the way you see them. I want my heart to beat for the things that your heart beats for. Jesus, I want the things that move you to move me. And when you follow God's call, he's going to grant you that new perspective. And you're going to see things in a whole new light. I want to encourage you this week to dive into the story of Elisha. If you want to write it down, just remember it was in 1 Kings chapter 19. It starts there with this call and then it continues in 2 Kings 2 all the way through 13. But I would encourage you to dig in this week. And as you dig in, ask yourself these questions. God, does your call have priority placement in my life? God, am I ready to say yes to you? Am I ready to be faithful in prayer? Am I ready to be faithful in obedience? Am I ready to be faithful in serving? God, what kind of perspective do you want to grant me with that is going to help me follow your call on my life? I want to talk to you just for a few more minutes as we close today. Personally, you see, a calling is something that I have to go back to all the time. And I'm going to share the story of my calling with you because, man, when you're going through it in life, you need some place to go back to. You need some place that you can fuel up. You need fresh and ever-growing perspective on how big God is in your life. And so my call began when I was, I was five years old. I was at Kids Crusade at our church. That was just what they called it back then. It's actually a lot like what's going to happen here at Mosaic this week. Uh, we call it VBS, Vacation Bible School. And basically for the next three nights, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, the kids will meet here for three hours each night, 5.30 to 8.30. And they'll have a great service. That's why our stage is decorated. Um, they got their stuff, and they're going to move it in and create a set for VBS, and, and, and it's going to be amazing. I've been watching Mark and the team practice and get ready, and, and your kids are going to have a great time. They'll be in here for services where they are hear about Jesus. They'll have crafts and snacks and games, and it's going to be epic. But it was at one of those kind of services that Jesus became real to me when I was five years old, and I gave my heart and my life to him. And then it was a couple years later at just a normal prayer meeting at church. And I was at, we had some altars up front and they were covered with orange carpet. <laughs> and ugly, you know, 80s brown and orange and red carpet in the church. I remember it, you know, like it was yesterday. And, and with my mom's arm around me at the altar right in front of the church, Jesus filled me with his Holy Spirit. And these moments mark you in life. When it's like God's not just some thing we talk about. He's real. And his power and his spirit is available for you today. And so then multiple times during youth group and at youth camp, our kids just got back from youth camp the other week, had powerful experiences with God where his presence just showed up in my life in a powerful way and I was called to ministry, called to preach the gospel, called to serve as a missionary. And let me be honest, as a teenager, when this was happening, I didn't know what that, I didn't know what it meant. I just, I just knew Jesus wanted me to say yes. 
And so I said, yes, God, wherever you send me, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'll say yes to you. My freshman year of college, sitting in a chapel service, I went to a Bible school, a seminary in Minneapolis, and I can still take you to the spot in the balcony because I wanted to get out early to go to lunch. The spot in the balcony where I was sitting when the preacher said, some of you are majoring on minor things in life. And at that time I was a music major and I was studying music because I loved music. But God said, hey, you're focusing on something minor when there's something bigger for you. And that's not to downplay music or anything. I'm still, I still love doing music. But Jesus was saying, hey, there's something else. And so I said, okay, God. And at that time, I really felt strongly God wanted me to switch my my studies to to missions, cross-cultural ministry. And so I, I did that. Later on, sitting in a missions banquet, talking, hearing about ministries about all over the world. One of my leaders was talking about the need for missionaries in Eastern Europe. And once again, God clarified that call. And I said, yes. I said, God, I'll go. So I ended up in Bulgaria a couple years later. Spent three years there as a missionary. Ended up back in Wisconsin at a church serving as a youth and, and worship pastor. When I once again got a call to go to Sandwich, Illinois, of all places. Never even heard of it before. I'm like, do they have good sandwiches? No, they have a beef roll. Who knows what that is? So I said, yes, I'll go. Spent the last 12 years in Sandwich, Illinois, saying yes to Jesus. And then in, the, in December of 2019, I can, still, I can take you to the spot, spots, plural, when I was broken, when God broke my heart for the next step and the next season in our life for our family. And on the front row of our church there at Harvest Chapel in Sandwich, Illinois, I can take you to the spot where God said it's time to go. I can take you out to my car because riding in that car in the front seat on another occasion, God broke my heart for this very same change. I I can show you a spot in my bedroom back back in Illinois when I was sitting on the bed. And once again, God broke my heart and over and over and over, Jesus called and I said, yes. You see, all these different times with Jesus are like anchors for my soul. And any time that I wonder, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Is it all worth it? God, is it worth it, the sacrifices that I made to follow you? Is it worth it? I go back to those places. And Jesus whispers in my ear and says, Joe, it's worth it. It's worth it. And we sing songs like we sing this morning that said, you're worthy of it all. Church, let me just tell you, those kind of songs and those kind of of messages come alive to you so much more when it's cost you something. And if you're just living life and you're like, where's the purpose? Where's the meaning of it all? And I just want to encourage you, there's more. Jesus has a call in your life. And it, it probably doesn't mean going to Africa. It probably doesn't mean selling all your possessions like some friends of mine did and, and ending up in Mongolia in some yurt on the other side of the world. It probably doesn't mean that for you. 
But no matter what, it does mean a yes. Yes, I'll raise up my kids to know you, Jesus. Yes, I'll tell my neighbors and my coworkers what you've done in my life. Yes, I'll make the hard choices that even might cost me a little something to say yes to you. Listen, I can't live on yesterday. I need Jesus' spirit to guide me now. But man, there's something powerful when Jesus calls you. And I just want to encourage you one more time. Remember, in the Old Testament, he empowered certain people for certain places at certain times for certain purposes. But in these last days, he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. You too. Me too. Us such a time as this to accomplish his purposes and maybe you're sitting here Joe and you're like man Joe this is a big ask this is like yeah you're you're like way far from where I'm at maybe this all sounds like extreme to you I just want to encourage you hey just hold on for the ride say one little yes to Jesus and see what he does in your life amen And so if you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me today, if you'd say, Joe, that's where I'm at. I just want to say my first yes to Jesus. Because he died for me on the cross, because he rose again on the third day, I want to trust him with my life. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. Church, this is one of the easiest things that you'll ever do in your life because you just have to receive the gift of salvation that Christ provides you. And so if that's you today and you say, I want to say yes to Jesus, just as simple as that, Raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you today and say, Joe, that's me. I want to say yes to Jesus. Amen. Anybody? I'm saying yes to a relationship with Jesus today. Amen. I want to encourage you. You could say yes to Jesus at any time. doesn't have to be here at church. You go home today and you're thinking about what God's done in your life today. You could say yes to Jesus. Next thing as I close, I just want to challenge you. Amen. Thanks for, thanks for that hand. I want to challenge you, if, if you want to make a fresh commitment to the call of God in your life, you say, Joe, I'm, I'm tired, I'm burnt out. I've kind of lost my way. And it's like, God, I need to get back. I need to get back to what I know you've asked me to do. Even if it's just obedience to the little things. If that's you today, as I pray a closing prayer and you say, God, a fresh commitment, I'm re-upping, I'm re-enlisting. I'm doing whatever it takes to serve you. I'm burning the plow. I'm moving forward. If that's you, just raise your hand with me as we close in prayer today. God, I thank you for your church. Jesus, we commit to you wholeheartedly once again to serve you, to put you first, to say yes. So help us, Jesus, to follow you with everything that we have. All we are is yours. Worthy is your name. You deserve all the praise, Lord. Help us to serve you and make the make the hard choices that sometimes we need to make to say yes to you. In Jesus' name.